So I have to say this. I love recording this podcast so much. It is one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite parts of my job and my business, and it makes me so happy. I don't earn a dime from this podcast, and I don't care because it just makes me really, really happy. And the conversation today... I just loved talking to this woman. If you guys haven't listened to, actually, so wait, taking a step back, if you haven't listened to the pilot episode, which I don't blame you at this point if you haven't, because it it feels like it was a century ago at this point. It was last July when I recorded it, when I launched the podcast. But the whole reason why I created this podcast was to highlight female founders who are doing truly things in the space that are the next big thing, coming up with ideas, getting creative, thinking outside the box. I just wanted to talk to entrepreneurs who had these game-changing ideas. And I feel like since starting this podcast, I've talked to so many women in this space who are doing things differently, thinking about things differently. And it just makes me so excited. Like I really genuinely am just grateful for the people I get to talk to. And it's just so much fun for me. And today's conversation is no different. In fact, I felt so fulfilled after talking to this woman because she shared such tangible tips for people that it made me really happy that she just felt so open to sharing things. And, um, you know, sometimes I worry with people coming on the podcast that they feel concerned about sharing like insider secrets, quote unquote, because they don't want competitors to listen. And then all of a sudden feel like, they are going to get shafted in their business or whatever it might be. And it just felt so good that she was just so honest and transparent. So today on the podcast, we have Sandra from Nopalera. And Nopalera is a bath and body brand that is all about the noble cactus. And originally, I found this brand on Instagram. And I immediately, which you will learn in this podcast episode, I immediately fell in love with the branding as a marketer. I think that's probably pretty common, but the branding is just stunning and the product photography is just beautiful. And Sandra just did such a great job building this brand. And her story is so interesting. I love that she is building this brand as inspiration from her heritage. And the story is just so good. And then the tips that she provides, I think for anyone that's looking to build a brand in this space or start a brand in this space, This episode, you will love to listen to because you and have a notebook and pen handy because you're going to learn things that you're going to be like, I need to go apply this for my own brand or I need to do this when I'm thinking about starting a brand in this space. Like she just gives such tangible tips and feedback. So regardless, if you're thinking about building a brand in the bath and body space or not, I think you will find value from this episode. Sandra is just brilliant. She actually did not have plans to become an entrepreneur. So her story is especially interesting, but I love that she has built this brand from, from the noble cactus being her inspiration um, and her heritage being her inspiration, because I think a lot of us don't even pay attention to what's around us and we don't need to come up with a really complex idea for a brand. Sometimes it's actually already sitting in our backyard, quite literally, Uh, which is what Sandra talks about. So I hope you guys love this episode. I had so much fun recording it. I mean, she is a wealth of knowledge and her brand is just beautiful. I'll leave everything in the show notes. Listen to this episode before you go check her out. But afterwards, go to her website, go to her Instagram, 
because it is stunning and Nopalera, the brand is going places and I can't wait to share with you guys um, everything about the brand. So enjoy the episode and I'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, Sandra, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you. So I am really, really excited to talk about your brand today. When I came across your brand on Instagram, I was blown away. I could not wait to learn more. So tell us about Nopalera and its products. What do you think, like, because there's so many brands kind of doing similar things. What do you think really sets you apart from the other brands that are in this space? Yes, great question. Um, so Nopalera is a bath and body line it's Mexican botanicals for bath and body. That's that's my one sentence explanation. And I make, um, you know, soaps. I have an exfoliant. I have a botanical bar, which some people would call like a lotion bar. And the star ingredient of my brand is the nopal cactus. So for anyone that's not familiar, the nopal, that's the Spanish word. Um, other In English, we call it the prickly pear cactus. Um, but basically, if, if you live, you know, on the West Coast or Southwest, they're everywhere, and um, it's it's really a cultural symbol of Mexico's wear as well. It's even on the Mexican flag, um, and I'm just obsessed with this plant, which I can go on and on about. But um, it's really, for so many reasons, it's the inspiration for the brand, for its cultural symbolism, for also its sustainability, <clears throat> and you know how many uses it can be applied to. You can actually make textiles from it. There, people are making vegan leather from it. Um, Anyway, I'm kind of rambling about the plant. No way. <laughs> I didn't know that. Vegan leather. That's so yes, interesting. I, I know. I'm obsessed. Um, but I use the cactus and I put it in my bath and body products. And, you know, to answer your question about like what sets me apart, I think that that is kind of what sets me apart is that this whole brand is founded on, you know, this this plant, this cultural symbol. And um, uh, it's just, you know, it's it's sustainable. It's It regenerates quickly. Um, you can eat it, you know, you can use it to cleanse yourself. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of, I think what sets me apart is that this is based in, you know, it's about cactus. Yeah. It's interesting too, how, I don't know, maybe I call it a Renaissance, but it's like, we're kind of going back to like the roots of, of things that, that our ancestors used in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's kind of, there's this new emergence of getting back to basics and getting back to the roots of our culture and our history with products that we know have been good for us for centuries, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I do feel like the cactus, the nopal has, I feel like we take it for granted, honestly, because it is so plentiful and because you don't really need to do anything to it for it to grow. It doesn't need us. <laughs> if you can, um, this is why... I, you know, I'm just so impressed by this, this plant because you can literally cut it and throw it across the yard and it will grow a whole other, <laughs> nopalera, you know, crazy. yeah. And, um, and what other plant does that, you know, right. like, you know, we, we see aloe vera used in bath and body products like forever. Right. Yeah. Really. Um, but, and I love aloe vera. It's a beautiful plant. I have one in my kitchen, but if you cut a piece of your aloe vera plant, like how fast does it grow back? Not fast. Right. Um, and then bamboo is also, you know, hailed as like being so eco-friendly, but like, again, can you really eat bamboo and also wash with it? And, you know, can you do all the same things that you can do with the Nopal? Right. Interesting. And, and so I just feel like the Nopal got overlooked and um, has always been here. And I really use that as the inspiration for the brand. Like, so have we, like Latinos have been here since the beginning and um, we're such a large population in this country. And why is it there's all these brands in the bath and body and beauty space that are 
you know, French owned or with French names or Italian names. And I just feel like it reinforces the Eurocentrism that exists in this country, that things from Western mm-hmm. Europe are better. Yeah. And, totally. Or like you know, more luxurious or yes. body. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, like it's worth the price tag because it's in French. Yeah. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you know, hello, like, you know, things from, from Mexico are also just as luxurious and yes. can be just as expensive and are just as, you know, good for you and good for the earth. Right. So just as beneficial for you. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So you were raised by Mexican immigrant parents in California. And so I'm, I'm really curious about your story because when I went to your website, I know that that's something that is threaded throughout your entire brand. So mm-hmm. tell us about what has your entrepreneurial journey been like? And like, was this something that you always wanted to do when you were like thinking about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Um, so the short answer is absolutely not. I have mostly been a musician my entire life. And um, this was really a surprise to me that I even, that my life is even what it is right now. <laughs> and so it was not my plan to become an entrepreneur. And for um, those listening too, she's in New York. So you, yes. you were raised in California, but now you live in New York. That's right. I was yep. born and raised in San Diego, um, and I've been in New York for 20 years. And I moved here for music. And you know, I went to music school. I I was a band leader. I wrote songs. I've I've toured around the world. I've released albums. I've played the NPR Tiny Desk concert. A lot of great you know stuff that I've done with music. And then um, it was just the summer of 2019, and I was um, in between day jobs, which I've always kept, you know, for insurance. (laughs) And I was sitting at my parents, you know, table actually eating my, you know, eggs with nopal, which is what we do. We, we put it in our eggs as well. And at the same time, I was also like learning how to make soap. I just thought it would be like a fun summer activity to do with my daughter who's 13. And, and that, you know, soap is kind of the gateway drug for a lot of beauty founders and, and bath and body founders because, <laughs> um, you know, it's anyone can make soap. And and then I just, it just like clicked. It was like the light bulb as I'm sitting here, you know, eating my nopales. Like, why has oh my no God, one- that was the moment when you're yeah, like, like why has, yeah, why has no one put these, this ingredient in the bath and body products? And, um, and also- just noticing this, what I call the brown space opportunity in the market. Like, again, going back to my earlier point, tons of brands with, you know, high-end brands with, you know, French names, Italian names, um, taking up the space of like high-end beauty retailers. And how come there isn't anything overtly branded for Latinos when we are such an enormous part of this country? And so it was really just like a spur of the moment, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and were your parents sitting there? What were they saying? <laughs> uh, they were just kind of like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're going to, you're going to start, you're going to make soap. What? You know? And, um, uh, but then, you know, the first person I called was my, my friend, Abby Haddocken, who's a phenomenal designer and she's responsible for the, you know, what you see in terms of the packaging, yeah, which, which we'll get to, cause I'm obsessed. Yes. Yeah. She knocked it out of the park and, yeah. um, and so, you know, I called her, she was the first person I called, um, even before I knew like what products I was going to make, I was just like, I just want to reserve you right now because I'm going to do this. And here's what it needs to be. It needs to be like beautiful and gorgeous. And it's going to be all about celebrating Latino culture. It's going to, it needs to be able to compete on the shelves of like the highest, you know, and beauty retailers with other brands. Um, and, um, yeah. And so, yeah. 
Love it. That's awesome. That's so cool that it just, and it's funny too, that this was like pre pandemic because so many people yes. now are like learning how to bake bread and, and make soap <laughs> as a hobby. And you got to it earlier, early adopter. <laughs> I did. I know. And you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I decided to do this like in the summer of 2019 and then it took me a year to do the branding and formulations and everything. And then I still launched in the middle of the pandemic. I launched in November and uh, you know, at this, it seems crazy, but at the same time, everybody needs soap. You know, it really is, especially now, like now we know that the CDC, hopefully everyone is aware that we need to wash our hands every single day. Yeah. But I also (laughs) think too, we've gotten to like the opposite end of the spectrum where so much shit is in soap now, like so many chemicals and so many bad things for you that it is a fundamental need for everyone. However, there's so much gunk in it now that, that I think going back to basics a little bit is really nice because- you know, I remember when I was younger going to Bath and Body Works and being like, oh my God, everything smells so good. But then yeah, right. I had no awareness of yeah, like what chemical was actually ingredients. in the product. Yeah. yeah. So And like, that wasn't part of the story either. It was just like, this is synthetic and it smells really good. But, totally. But yeah. now it's like, there's this like reawakening with, with our society, I think. And in this next generation that really appreciates things being more natural, that, that celebrates something that's more simple than, than a bunch of like ingredients that you can't even pronounce. Totally, totally. And soap, you know, gets a bad rap, I think for many reasons, but there's a lot of crappy soap out there that, as you say, is like made with, you know, chemicals and fragrances and things that ultimately irritate people's skin. Yeah. Right. And, um, and soap is actually, it's really laborious to make. It's my most laborious product out of all the SKUs that I have. (laughs) And I think people don't realize how much goes into making like true soap because there is a difference between like the soap that you can buy at the grocery store that is made with a machine that's really like pressed. It's called, it's like made through an extrusion method. So think of like a Play-Doh machine where it's just like pellets are pressed together and pushed out and they can make like thousands in an hour. And my soap is more like making cupcakes. It's really like, it's like baking. Um, so Interesting. Cold, yeah, cold process soap. And there's like a million YouTube videos. Anyone can go look them up. Um, cold process soap is, is really like blending a lot of things together at a certain temperature. And, um, it's very, you know, it's like, I'm like Walter White over here in my soap factory. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too, because a year ago I made the commitment to myself that I wanted to buy natural fragrance or fragrance free soap. And it took me so long to find one. Yes. And it's sad that it took me that long. Yeah. People really like fragrance. And I mean, I get it. I like things that smell nice too, but when you're rubbing something all over your body, you know, and your skin everything, then people are like, how come this soap that says it's for sensitive skin still irritates my skin? (laughs) Well, did you look at the 50 ingredients that are in there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the nopal cactus, which you were surrounded by it, obviously growing up. What are distinctive benefits about this cactus that like really no one knows about or people just don't think about? Well, I think that it's, you know, it's really, we take it for granted, those of us that grew up with it, because it literally is like, you don't have to do anything to it. It's not like you have to, you know, cultivate it, you know, it just grows and it's really hardy. So for number one, you can eat it. So, you know, it's so good for you as like a food. Um, to eat it. It's great for digestion. I feel so naive. I did not even know that. Yeah. So you can actually, so there's different kinds of cactus, right? There's different, all sorts of different kinds, but like when you say with your eggs, like, I think that for me, I was like, that would have never occurred to me. (laughs) I know people have, I know people 
eat like we're so used to calling it the prickly pear right yeah yeah um, and I know people eat it but like with eggs I'm like I love eggs now I'm like I'm intrigued <laughs> yeah I'm sure in Chicago you can find some good Mexican restaurants that are like making like tacos with nopal you know they usually they'll put yeah. it with like the carne asada or you know we make like just an ensalada de nopal so it's like you know the cactus with like tomato and you know onion and cilantro yeah. Um, and so it's just super good for you as a food. So that's, that's just one thing. And then, um, similar to like how we use aloe vera, you know, like just great for soothing the skin. You can use it to wash your hair. You can use it like for, you know, after sun care. Um, and, and really for me, that's kind of how I entered into putting into my products was like taking formulas that would have normally used aloe vera and just putting the nopal cactus instead. And, oh, interesting. Yeah. And, um, because again, my parents have them growing in their yard and they're growing in everyone's yard yeah. <laughs> in California. They're just, they grow on the side of the freeways. They grow in people's yards. They grow on the side of fences. Um, so yeah, so you can really use it for everything. And then, uh, you know, like I said earlier, people are using it to make textiles. Like there's a scientist in Mexico who's um, created like plastic out of it, which is amazing. And um, also these two guys that have created a vegan leather that they're selling to Europe to like high-end fashion in like Milan. So cool. yeah. yeah. They're making these beautiful shoes and like bags. And I'm just like, wow, how can I work with these guys? Can they make me like a makeup bag? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's no joke. I mean, some mm -hmm. vegan leather out there too is getting like really crafty and it lasts so long that it's yeah. it's totally worth it. How, what what was it like when you needed to actually source the cactus? Like was it I mean, obviously you said it's growing everywhere, yeah. but, but to actually source it for your products, what was that process like? Um, it wasn't that hard because I think, again, it's just, it's a really plentiful plant. And, um, so one of my suppliers, you know, I have several suppliers that, you know, I vet and that I use are all based here. Um, they, I source the wild harvested Mexican cactus from them. So it's, it's pretty it wasn't difficult to find. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you literally tapped into something for skincare that no one's doing. And the process was not super painful, which is amazing. No. Yes. I that's why I was like, why is this not already existing? Yeah. You know? and, and there are, you know, to be fair, like there are some other brands that are using prickly pear oil. There are, I've seen some other brands, you know, I did my research to see like who else is using cactus. And right. there are some brands out there like using it like here and there, but it's not the basis of their brand. You I was going to I mean? say, yeah. I feel like I do a ton of research in this space. I'm definitely not quali qualified to speak on ingredients and, and product effic efficacy, but I feel like I never heard of it being mm -hmm. in skincare bath products ever. Yeah. Not definitely not the way that I'm using it, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then I went a step further and it had custom molds made for my soaps to be in the shape of the Nepal pad. Love, <laughs> love it. Okay. Wait, so let's talk about so your products are cruelty-free, vegan, and palm oil-free. Yeah. And the cruelty-free label has gotten a lot of like mixed reactions in the industry. Mm -hmm. Why is it important for you to have these seals of approval? And I think the palm oil one especially is, is mm -hmm. interesting to me because mm -hmm. that's one where I feel like people are not used to seeing it. So why mm -hmm. is that important to have that? Yeah. Okay. So the cruelty-free, you know, a lot of like high-end performance, like skincare brands, still do testing um and like on animals and i think that it's just important to distinguish you know and i actually build myself as a bath and body brand not as like a skincare brand because i don't make like under eye creams or you know anything for anti-aging or you know i make things to cleanse your body like more as like cleansing rituals um but i think it's just important to distinguish like hey i'm you know i'm vetting my suppliers and and sourcing my ingredients from 
trusted suppliers and making sure that all of my ingredients are coming from, you know, uh, places that do not test these, these ingredients. And also my ingredients are very simple. Honestly, um, you can, uh, you can, you can read my ingredient panels and they're easy to understand. Um, so I think it's just important to distinguish. And then, um, and then what was your second question though? There was a the second. Palm oil oh, free. The palm oil I'm, free. I'm curious about that too. Yeah. So that's something that has come up mostly like in the soap world. Um, and there's two, there's kind of two camps of people. So there's people that are using RSPO, which is responsibly sourced palm oil. And you see that a lot on people's packaging. Um, and I think the reason that people use palm oil, aside from the fact that it makes great lather, is that it's just cheap. It, it's, it, you know, um, so the three main ingredients that you'll see in all soaps is coconut oil, palm oil, um, and olive oil. Like that's, that's like the trifecta of like, um, of most soaps. And so to not use palm oil means that I have to use something else you know, to, to take up the formula. And, um, um, so it's just, you know, the thing with palm oil is, is, you know, how it affects the environment, um, and how it affects the animals in that environment. So, um, that is really what it comes down to is the environmental, um, impact. So to be palm oil free is to say like, I'm not going to participate in that. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what has the process been like getting, the physical products and ingredients to a place that made you feel like I did it. I love everything that's, that's in this. Yeah. It took me about a year. So I went to, you know, once I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I, um, went to formulation school online. So formula Botanica is what? Based, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah. So they're based in the UK and they're amazing. Um, they're just, I learned so much from them and, um, they have a like a fantastic online community as well. Um, that's really supportive and people, they have students all over, all over the world. Wait, this um, is so interesting. No one's ever talked about this before. So oh, like, so yeah. this is like, you can t like, this is like, if you were wanting to start your side hustle in this space, you could basically attend this school to learn more about everything formulations. Yes. They will teach you will. I mean, I learned how to make it actually there's homework. Like you have to learn how to formulate certain wow. products, even if you don't intend to make them. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, um, it's about like a nine month. Um, I think I did it in maybe six months. Cause I was like racing through it. Cause I was just so excited to, to learn everything, but, um, it's online. So it's like a series of videos and then you have like homework to submit and, um, and then you have like a final project. So, um, that's where I learned to really formulate, um, was a lot through them and, you know, a lot of failed batches, Sam. So like lots of things went in the trash, <laughs> you know, my boyfriend is a real trooper. He had to try everything. <laughs> so did my daughter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it took, it took time, you know, it yeah. really took time to really dial it in and make sure that, you know, the colors and the scents and everything were working harmoniously. So, I would What's say that took about seller? a year. You know, my top seller is actually my botanical bar. So what, what people refer to as the lotion bar, um, that is the top seller. And, um, you know, which is great because I love it too. And I'm glad that it's really resonating with people. People want to get rid of these plastic bottles of lotion they have yes. all over their house. Yes. And, um, and they, you know, I think maybe people are catching on to the fact that lotion is mostly water, which it is. And mm -hmm. you don't need this large, big plastic bottle filled with 85% water. Right. <laughs> um, you really can just use something solid that's much smaller and actually will work better. So that's cool. I yeah. love it. All right. You know how I feel about your branding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, literally I'm obsessed with it. I think it's, it's so beautiful. How did you come to the look and feel like, what was that process like? Yeah. So, um, when I approached Abby, um, Abby Haddock and she's the designer, 
you know, I told her what the mission was. So I really tried to give her a lot of context. Like, this is what the purpose of this brand is. The purpose of this brand is going to be to celebrate and elevate Latino culture, specifically Mexican-American culture. The Nopal is like our star, not only for what it does as an ingredient, but also for what it represents, which is like, it represents Mexican culture. It represents resilience because again, it needs no water. It needs, does not need me or you to, for it to survive, you can cut it and it will grow again. So for me, that's also just the symbolism of like resilience, which is my tagline for this brand is resilience is beauty, you know? Um, Love it. So I, I tried to give Abby as much context as possible. Um, I told her I wanted it to be colorful, you know, because again, Mexico is very colorful and people love to go to Mexico and, you know, buy colorful things. <laughs> and, um, and so she provided five different directions. Um, and I actually almost went with a different direction and I shared some of the designs, like the top two with some friends with like an inner circle. And they all picked this one. They were like, Oh no, it has to be the woman with her, with a cactus growing out of her head. Of course. <laughs> Duh. Duh, you know? And, um, so, and so, yeah, so that's how that happened. But, you know, I really have to just hand it over to Abby because she really brought like the mission and the vision to life. You know, I just gave her a bunch of like pictures from Pinterest and, and <laughs> friend, you know, and phrases, um, and told her like what it needed to do, you know, and then she actually made the she magic happen. It. Yeah. She crushed it. It looks so good. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have a really hard time with branding or it, it's, it's a tedious process getting it to a place that feels good. And I love that it just felt really easy. Like that's awesome. She is clearly super talented. What about your product photography? Yes. It's also stunning. And yes. I think this is something as a marketer, I see a lot in this space of like people neglecting the product photography mm. and focusing a lot on yeah. the actual like logo branding and brand guidelines and colors, but not the actual product shots. Yes. Yes. I mean, um, we can get more into like advice later for entrepreneurs, but like the branding and the product photography has to be just as good as the formulations. Like it cannot be lesser than, you know, you can't put all this energy into creating amazing products at work and then not investing in like how they're going to be presented to the world, you know? So yes, totally. Um, Amanda Lopez is the photographer and I have been like Instagram stalking her for years um, because she, everyone's going to be writing these names down. Yeah, good. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Go, they're going to get so much business. <laughs> good. Go hire these women. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, so Amanda Lopez is an amazing photographer, also Mexican American. She lives in Los Angeles and I had actually been communicating with her because I wanted her to take pictures of me, like for music, you know, like music, like photos, press pictures. Um, and then when this came up, I was like, Hey, changing gears, Amanda, I still really want to work with you, but it's for something else. <laughs> it's because I'm going to launch this brand. Um, she's like, great, keep me posted. Um, and you know, I really wanted to work with her because I didn't have to explain the culture to her. Like this is her culture. You know, yeah, right. she is, she's like me. She's like, she, you know, she's Mexican American. She lives in LA. Um, she understands the culture and, um, and so it was really just like working with two top people, like bringing Abby's branding and then giving it to Amanda. Like, again, very little explanation was needed, you know? So cool. Yeah. Oh my God. You're so lucky. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So what was the, so she basically took the colors and the branding mm -hmm. and, and then did like, she does, she have a studio? Like how did that actual like physical, um, execution pan out. Yeah. I, I sent her a bunch of products and then, you know, at her and Abby and I just pow out on the phone and, um, and then Amanda just knocked it out of the park. Honestly, there was, you know, she gave us, there were some things that had some variations, but it was mostly like, do we want the background lighter or darker? It, it wasn't 
there weren't any like big changes. You know, we, we, we just sat down together and again, I think just being aligned with what we're trying to accomplish, I think makes everything go faster and better, you know, because there's no question about what we were trying to do. Like, okay, this is going to be a colorful brand. We have to, it has to have like social, like cultural cues in every picture, you know? Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I think just working with people and having a clear vision, um, I think helps the execution. It looks so good. I mean, I, I freaked out. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) they did such a good job. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing because I know a lot of entrepreneurs listening, it's it's a hurdle if they're building a brand from scratch. So yeah, that's great. I'm so happy to hear that that was an easier part of your journey. And on that note, what do you think has been like, what would you say has been like the most difficult and then the most rewarding mm-hmm. parts of your entrepreneurial journey? Um, definitely the most difficult is like doing everything myself. You know, like I've, have, I've just been on like high speed for the last... I mean, it's all a blur because of COVID, right? This last year. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, and you haven't been able to go to like trade shows and yeah, um, like that. Know. I know for this industry and for a few other industries is like a big part of growth, really, and yeah. scale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I um, the, yeah. So definitely, the hardest thing is doing everything myself. Um, the 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 plus side is that the brand kind of took off and um, pretty quickly, you know, I, I launched in November, November 2nd. So I'm, I'm like in month three of business, you know, <laughs> or, um, amazing. Yeah. And, you know, beauty independent released an article, like a feature article on the brand oh, on the, on the awesome. day of launch. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of triggered some phone calls from, from some larger retailers. And, and how did that work? Was that outreach on your end or did they discover you? You know, it's, it's kind of funny because, um, the writer, Rachel, she reached out to me for a, like to interview me for like a separate, cause I also work in sales in the grocery industry. Like that's my day job. And so she reached out to me as like a sales consult, like a distribution consultant to interview because, you know, she wanted to like explain to brands, like how distribution works, um, if they wanted to get their products into like whole foods, et cetera. And, um, and so I made a, you know, we formed a relationship over that. And then when I started to launch my brand, I said, Hey, Rachel, just want to let you know, FYI, I'm launching my own brand and here it is. And so she's just like, Oh, great. Let's do an article on the day of launch. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and so that really attracted that, that, you know, the phone started ringing kind of right away. And then, um, and then, yeah. And, you know, launch, launch month was great. Um, the sales were great because, you know, I had amassed like a a list of people to launch to like started, like had started several months prior, like running just ads with just the logo and the logo. Let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. I think think people, this is like for every budding entrepreneur, it's, it's pacing out, like maybe doing like a wait list, right. Or Mm -hmm. so what was your strategy to launch and, and how did you have people to launch to? Was it just ads or was it a few different things? So it was just, and this was before I had like, you know, product photography, before I had a website, before all I had was like my URL and a landing page and I had my logo. So I like the woman that's on the, you know, the product photography on the product packaging, I had her and, you know, I, I just ran like ads, very targeted ads, you know, cause I knew who this was for and um, and like 800 people signed up on the email list with just, without even having seen the products. So they just saw the the logo. And I think that that resonated enough that they were like, Oh, awesome. I'm, I'm interested in like this brand. That's this about the power of branding and, and like Mexican <laughs> culture. You know, I really, yeah. just, I made like really targeted, like niche, everything that I've ever done in my life has been niche. So I think it's all about the magic of niche and knowing, you know, who, what your niche is. And so, um, so yeah, so that's how I had people to launch too, was I had, you know, this list. Um, so when I finally did launch every, you know, everyone, 
went and, and purchased. And then because I think the brand is so beautiful, um, people just started to take pictures on their Instagram and share it on their Instagram. And it just kind of fueled the fire, you know? Um, and, and then it was December. So it was like the holidays. So then like a lot of good holiday sales. And then I was like, okay, here comes January. It's going to be like slow because every, the holidays are over. And then January was like triple, um, like December and wow. started running like real ads, like on, and like with actual product photography <laughs> and, um, and then it just took off. And now I'm in about 50 stores nationwide. And um, cause you know, the side kind of like the, the side effect of the ads was that retailers also saw the ads. Like yeah. I, I was thinking, oh, I'm just making ads for like my, cons you know, like my customers, like direct to consumer. Right. But, but it also is that all these boutiques nationwide saw the same That's ads. So cool. So you didn't go through like a whole wholesaler necessarily. You just no. worked directly with the boutiques and retailers across the country. Yes. And they all, wow. and, and again, like the crazy thing for me, Sam is cause like my background is in sales. I, I work like in sales and distribution. I work for Van Loo and ice cream. Um, as my day job. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, um, and I was like ready to go out and like aggressively go, you know, get the, get the sales, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, cause I know how hard it is and like, this is what I do. And I was just like prepared. I had like my list, you know, like my hit list ready to go. And then I didn't have to do anything. And I know that sounds really unhelpful for other founders that are oh, listening, I mean, you know, but, <laughs> but I think that the, the re really like the takeaway is that it's because I invested in the branding and the photography. And if, and I built it on a mission and I built it about something other than myself and people want to be, be a part of something that's, uh, you know, something bigger, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, so I'm about 50 retailers nationwide and I have some larger, um, retail accounts, hopefully that I will land like later this year. Love it. Oh my yeah. God. That's so cool. And that's a great point about ads too, is that the exposure spans beyond just people who are, they're going to go buy on your website. They're yes. going to see people that can actually extend your business further. Yeah. I really honestly did not even think of that when I was launching the ads. Um, so it was really kind of like a surprise side effect. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's no way to really differentiate that when you're targeting. It's like people no. that are interested in that specific hobby or interest. So exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what advice would you give entrepreneurs who want to enter into the space that you're currently in? Yeah. I think that you know, make the product, make something for somebody else. Like, you know, um, I see a lot of founders because I'm in a lot of like groups on Facebook, you know, um, where there's a lot of like people creating skincare brands and stuff and they make things, they make things because they like to make things and they make things for themselves. And that is really a different mindset than making something for someone else who needs something. So it really is like a service mindset. Um, and, you know, when I created these products, it wasn't just like, oh, I love to make soap. It's so fun. How can I turn my hobby into business? Like that was not my approach. My approach was like, there is this whole community of people, like millions and millions of Latinos in the United States that do not have any high-end products that are created for them celebrating their culture on the shelves. I'm going to make it. For, yeah. You know? And so that's a really different And it was approach. already a natural hobby of yours. It was like, you were just already doing it. Yeah, I was doing it. But again, like it wasn't like... um you know, Oh, like, here's this fun thing I like to do. How can I like turn this into a business? Like I started with the business idea from the beginning, you know yeah. what I mean? And, right. um, and so I think, you know, creating something to solve a problem for someone else is, 
is a really important component. And then building it on a mission, again, something larger than yourself, because again, people want to, people are attracted to things that, you know, have meaning and they want to belong to things large, you know, that are larger than themselves. Yeah. And- they feel like they can connect to the the purpose and the mission. And I think your story, especially for anyone who's listening is so exciting and so inspiring because you're taking something that's naturally part of your heritage and you're making people more aware of its benefits. And I think that that's just so important. Like obviously people who are part of the culture know, but, but there's so much more opportunity, I think, for people to celebrate the culture because of what you're doing. Yeah. And people, you know, I, I honestly took like, I, I was always so inspired, but like by what um, like Nubian Heritage or like Shea Moisture had done, like their branding is so clearly like we are African and we're colorful so and we're beautiful. Clear. Yes. But no doubt that that is like an African inspired, you know, or like founded brand. And yep. and I'm like, why does this not exist for Latinos? Like, right. why? Like, we're not like a little like niche of community here, you know? Right. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, and I think there's, that's a whole other podcast episode of like why people, what people think of like the Latino, like like buying power, you know? Yeah. Right. Or really overlook it. Um, yes. So I agree. And, and, and so I think that's, that's great advice for, for entrepreneurs. What about like people that want to go into this space? Like specifically, is there any thing that comes to mind? Like even just, just small things that you're like, okay, learning this was like the formulation school, I think is that blew my mind. Cause I had no idea that that existed, but is yeah. there anything else that you can think of that would yes. be beneficial? Yes, absolutely. I think that definitely investing in branding is really important in this space. Yeah. I mean, I would say that actually for all spaces, to be honest, but you know, for anyone that's listening, who's like interested in starting like a skincare line or anything that has to do with like beauty, like mm. branding is so important. You cannot skip that part because we are shopping with our eyes, like, and not just your customers, but your retail partners, you know? And why would you say for this space specifically, what, what comes to mind when you're thinking about people shopping habits in this space? Is it just because it's really saturated or? Uh, yeah, it's really saturated. And the purpose of branding is to make people feel something, you know, and, uh, when there's just so much competition, I mean, how many ads have you seen that says like, finally a skincare brand that works or finally a lotion that, you know, like everyone says that, you know, about their brand. So you have, what else are people going to hang on to? Um, you need to right. give them something <laughs> you need to, your branding should make people feel something and it should yes. make people feel like, wow, I need that. Like I, I want to touch that. I want that in my life. You know, it's beautiful. Um, so and I've heard honestly, just from, uh, you know, some of the retail partners, um, like prospective retail partners that I've been talking to, they've even told me like that, you know, that they come across brands that have like great products, but they just didn't go the extra mile and in, like investing in the branding. And so they just, yeah. they don't bring them on for that reason. I mean, go to Sephora wow. and like, look at the brands on the shelf, look at how yep. their branding looks like no one is using, you know, like stickers, you know, and, and <laughs> jars. Like a really scripty font. Like yeah. I hate saying that, but like, but like there is power in, I mean, obviously I'm a marketer, so of course I'm going to say this, but like there is such true power in establishing your brand in a way that immediately draws someone's eye in. And yeah. I think that's, I mean, if we're being honest, that's what happened with you coming onto this podcast. Yeah. I was like, this branding is irresistible. I have to talk to this person. Yes. Thank you. And, yeah. and yes. And that is the feeling that you're trying to give to people, right? You want people to feel that, um, because it's just so saturated. I have to learn more. I have to like investigate this brand because there's nothing that 
in that in the bath and body space that I would have ever said that like I've seen something like this before. Right. And then that means yeah. a lot to me because I'm sure you've seen a lot as a marketer, yes. right? Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> um and, and just as as consumers, right? Like you were yeah. saying, I mean we're all exposed to thousands of ads every single day. So for it to be even for like the retailers that have yeah that saw the branding, right? Yeah. That that's the level of impact that yes. it can have. Yes. Yeah. When you really take it to that next level. And I think, you know, being you know, two other like small bits of advice is like to really like lean into whatever it is that makes you different. You know, like I, w- I really wanted this to be bright and colorful. Like you could see it from across the room and I wasn't going to try to assimilate my brand so that it could match any of the other, like, you know, honestly, like white owned brands that exist in this space, yeah, you know, and totally. I didn't want to make it fit in with what's already at Sephora because there's already plenty of that happening, you know? And so really like leaning in to my culture and into the mission of the brand. And, you know, cause I was like, if I'm going to do this, like, let's do it, you know, and people are going to look at this brand and they're, it's, it's either going to really resonate with them or they're going to be like, Oh, I'm racist. That's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think what you were saying earlier is so true that people are under, underestimating the power, the buying power yeah. that, that your culture has, yeah. like it's, it's ridiculous that it's taken people this long to really, yeah, to even to even decide to market to people in this way. Yes. Like crazy. I know. And I think that there's, you know, I, I mean, my goal ultimately is to like, I want to build, make this brand successful so that I can like help open doors for like other Latino, like Latina founders and yeah. entrepreneurs. Um, and yeah, there is like all sorts of assumptions like, oh, like Latinos don't like to spend money or like this, which is totally not true. Yes. <laughs> and, um, or that somehow, you know, there's like these misconceptions yeah. that are not rooted in any kind of data. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because now you have, now you've built a brand that even regardless of the space that you're in yeah. is going to create attention and conversation yeah. because no one else has decided to talk to you. Yeah. This like part of the population, which is crazy. Right. I know. I know. That's why. And that's another reason where I was like, I have to do this because if I don't do it, like Procter and Gamble's going to go do it in yeah. a fake way, you know? <laughs> yeah. PNG is going to come in and be yeah. like, Hey, we know you. And yeah. It's like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's going to be like 50 million ingredients. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think the only last piece of advice I would give to anyone entering into this space would be to really understand the math. Um, Because I deal with a lot of, um, I also like teach a class to food and beverage founders and and I really go hard about the math and really understanding like your cogs and margins, I think is really important. Oh, no one's talked about this on the podcast before. Oh, okay. I could talk like for hours and hours about margins. Give like a good top line, like things that you've learned that that are invaluable for you as a business. Cause that is, okay. it's amazing to me that no one has brought it up. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's, let's hear about like what you've learned. Yes. So, you know, understanding your cogs means like how much it costs you to make the product. So like your ingredients, your packaging, your labor, labor is huge, especially if you're a manufacturer and making it yourself, like, you know, it, it include your out your time in the product cost, right? It's not free just because you're making it. So um, so really understanding how much it costs you to make one single unit and then how much you're going to sell it for and what is the profit margin that you're going to make on that. So the margin is like how much you get to actually keep of the, of the sale after you have deducted the costs that it costs you to make it. And I think a lot of, you know, new founders in this space, 
they create products and they base their pricing off of what their competitors are doing, or they just base their pricing off of like what they think that people Ooh, will spend. That's good. Or they think, that's really good advice. It's they, so true. It's like they go look at what the actual like the like final price is and they're like, okay, well that sounds good. Yeah. And they're just like, well, other people are selling their soap for $10. So I guess I'll do the same or, you know, or I would never pay $10. So maybe I'll sell it for seven. And they don't, they base their pricing off of just things that are not like real math, you know, like they don't think about, okay, how, how much are you trying to grow this business? Are you trying to be profitable? Are you trying to break even? Like I'm trying to grow, make this business as successful as possible. So I can like, like I said, turn it into a platform, you know, for real like celebration of culture and hopefully, you know, I'd love to be able to get to the point to give scholarships and like funding to other like Latina founders eventually. But in order to do that, I have to be profitable, which means I need to know my numbers, which means I need to know how much every single thing costs me. Um, You know, go get a score mentor, get a financial model, really understand how much you need to grow. And um, I love that advice. And really do the math. Like I, math was never my favorite subject, but it's, that's actually all I do now every single day. Yeah, I just do math all the time, whether it's like because of the formula or because I'm doing my numbers. It's also interesting too, because I think, I mean, once again, marketer speaking here, but, (laughs) but I think your branding also sets you apart to the point where you can, you, you have the opportunity to be at a different price point because of what your branding evokes, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously you're taking into account the actual cost of the product and all that stuff that you talked about, but your branding gives a sense of who you are and it's, it's an accessible, but more of like a luxurious bath and body product. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and you can, you're able to price yourself based on in part what your brand looks like. Yes. And, um, and I think that I would love to see other Latinas do the same. And, um, you know, again, this thing of like going back to my earlier point, like, why shouldn't it be this price? Like the people right. pay like way more money. Like you can go buy they pay for the brand. Like you think about all of these luxury brands totally. that have the same ingredients as yes. a brand you would find in the drugstore. Yes. Like, well, I'm going to pay for it because it's the brand, you know, it's Dior. It's, it's, yeah. it's Jacobs. It's yeah. Um, like I think about a brand, a beauty brand that I bought recently that I was like, I can't believe I'm spending this amount of money yeah. on powder, but it was like Pat McGrath. And it's yeah. like, well, is it yeah. that much better? You know, like, yeah. I don't know, but then you hear everyone talking about it and then the packaging looks really luxurious. So immediately yeah. you associate, you know, that price point with a luxurious brand and that branding with a luxurious brand. That's not to say though, like that branding is the, is going to, is going to alleviate any concerns that someone might have about like the product itself, right. like you can't overcharge and then expect that people are just going to buy it because of the branding, it has no, to, no. people do their research, right? So it's like, and the it's, product it's has to stand up for itself. It. Yeah. Like yes. after people use the soap, they're like, oh my God, it's like, my skin has never been more awesome. It's, it's no longer dry or, you know, right. like the products have to hold up for themselves, you know, at the right. end of the day, but yes. And, but also like, look at, um, like drunk elephant has like a facial bar and I think it's like $27 or something, you know, and it's Dude, tiny. Drunk elephant, <laughs> drunk elephant is the amount that they charge for what they do. Yeah. I mean, I am blown away. I think I had a friend recommend one of their products to me and I was like, I am not paying that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't care how cute that elephant looks. Like that is not, <laughs> I'm not buying that, you know? Right. So it's like, it's crazy. But then also too, I think the fact that your story is so threaded throughout the brand, I think says a lot about like how, how much you care about the brand and people also want to buy into that. And you're not, 
faking anything. No. You're being honest about, yes. I'm going to use a product that is near and dear to my heritage that yeah. is accessible, but also really good for you. And so yeah. it's, it's the story, it's the branding, it all comes together to create that consumer yeah. perspective that is so important and why someone would buy in. Yes. And you know, at the end of the day, like value is like, is something that we assign to things like why, I mean, look at the world of art for God's sakes. Like why, <laughs> why oh is a painting God. worth like $27 million? And it's, um, you know, it's about how it makes you feel, you know, it's like, if yeah. you're going to buy an exfoliant and like, when you go into the shower and you're like, okay, I need to wash off this day. And it makes you feel luxurious. And that is, that's valuable. You know, that right. it's about the feeling that it gives you. It's not, exactly. it's not just a function. Is, this is such a sidebar, but I, um, on Clubhouse, there is a person, and I've talked about this on my Instagram, there's a person who has decided to start, and I think this is a brilliant idea, live art auctions, like through mm. the app. So you can, it's Interesting. The artists, the artists present their art and mm -hmm. they change their avatar, their profile photo to the art that they're selling. Oh. So you can see the art and then you can hear the story. Mm -hmm. And I've bought three pieces oh my from God. this live art auction. Cause like when it's you amazing. hear the story, right. It, it's no longer about the price. It's about what you're, you're buying into someone's, you're supporting someone's culture. You're supporting someone's story yeah. and that. And meaning. That. Yeah. And meaning exactly. And like why they created this piece. So it's like, there's so much more to why someone would want to buy something versus just purely yeah. the branding or even just what the product can do for right. you. It's, story behind it too, that you're just like, wow, that is irresistible to me. I want to support this person. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all of the things combined for sure. And I mean, right. I, I think about how much I spend, like, I mean, back when bars were open, like I would easily spend $14 on a drink that I could go make myself at home for like a third yeah. of the price, but, <laughs> but you're not paying for it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we're all overpaying when we go to bars, but we're paying yes. for the experience, you know, like yep. of being able to like drink, not in our house, but with our friends, with, yes. you know, with music in the background, the lighting, like yeah, all the, the lighting. Things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's about the full experience that something yeah. gives to you, you know? Absolutely. Where do you think this industry is headed? That's a great question. I mean, I definitely think that you know, because of everything we just went through in the last four years and every, all the retailers waking up, realizing like, oh, we don't have any black owned brands. Like we really need to focus on this. And, um, and people are taking, you know, much more of like an active, you know, um, like interest in supporting people of color, like women of color. And, um, so I think that that is, I hope that that continues and that that just becomes not a trend, but like a mainstay. Um, yeah. and, um, so there, so I, th that's kind of the thing that I'm focused on. And I feel like I'm part of that because, you know, I'm Latina and I'm a new founder in this space. Um, and I think that definitely some of my retail partners are interested in not just the, you know, the product and the branding is beautiful, but also because they realize like, oh, they don't have any like Latina founders in their portfolios or on their yeah, shelves. They want and want it to be, yes. yeah. And, um, because people care about that. Yeah. And also I because, because, you know, there's like 60 million of us, you know, so. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, it's kind of sad that it's taking this long, but at yeah. least, at least we're here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that that's, you know, in terms of people waking up um, and then there's some, you know, I'm not, I don't really have time to like pay attention to all like the trade magazines and like what's coming up next in terms of trends and stuff, but definitely, you know, you see a lot of like sexual health products, uh, you know, coming out and like things yeah. like things like scalp care, um, mm -hmm. kind of things that you, we didn't really see that much before, you know, so yeah. there's some definitely interesting innovations, 
Um, and obviously I think more zero waste stuff, I think is definitely yep. part of our future. Um, I think everyone realizes that we don't really have a choice. We can't just keep buying plastic bottles of stuff, <laughs> you know? And when and, you say that too, about like a PNG that has like a plastic bottle of lotion, that's 85% water. It's like yeah. things need to change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah. so I think all of those, th- those are the things that I am keeping my eye on. Nice. And what's next for Nopalera as a brand? Yeah. So I am, you know, currently producing everything in house, which is really laborious. And, um, I'm this year, my, my big goal is to move some of the like production over to a co-packer to relieve me of having to make every single product. So, yeah, um, that's great. So that is, you know, my goal was never to just be like in the kitchen for the rest of my life. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) so, um, I'm trying to move some products over to a co-packer and then I would like to, um, you know, engage with some larger retailers. Cause right now I'm, you know, I'm in 50 stores, but they're all like boutiques, um, kind of independent boutiques around the country. And so I'd like to engage with some larger retailers. Um, and I had to move into a commercial space, like in month two of business, because it just went so quickly that I, you know, really quickly outgrew my own house. So, um, I luckily found a space around the corner from my house. That is, um, it's an old hair salon that is working for me just fine for now, but I can see how I'm going to outgrow that pretty soon. Oh, that's well. so interesting. That's so cool. It's just like any space. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, it's New York. So like any space is great, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and so, oh, that's awesome. yeah. So I think what's next is just, um, you know, trying to transition over to a co-packer so I can focus on growing the business and then, um, you know, partnering with some larger retailers and then really kind of experimenting more and, and putting more into, you know, the outreach and the ad spend, because now I know that it works, you know, that it's resonating. And now it's just a matter of like, again, back to the math, it's just a, like a math equation at this point. Yeah. And it's about scale yeah. At, yeah. at cost almost. Yeah. 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 And and where can people find the brand? Yeah. So nopalera.co, not.com, but .co. And on Instagram, that's the website. And on Instagram, it's just at nopalera.co as well. Love it. And your Instagram is beautiful. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna, I'll put it in the show notes, but I'm like, everyone go check this out. Oh, thank so you. Cool. I mean, you've just done such a good job. I am so excited for your future success and your current success. But really, like, I when I bring people into this podcast, I'm like, I keep the name in mind because I really want to talk to people who are going to become, you know, the next big thing. And I Mm -hmm. think what you're doing and everything you're doing is really, you're a brand that's going to be here to stay. And I just can't wait to see you guys grow. It's going to be awesome. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, I really hope that next year it's like, boom. (laughs) (laughs) I think it will be. I think it will be for sure. So thank you so much for coming in the podcast. You were awesome. Oh, thank you, Sam. Tell me that that was not packed with value. So many things I did not realize, like formulation school and then how she went about figuring out her branding, product photography, such good tips, you guys. She really just crushed it. Thank you so much, Sandra, for coming in the podcast and sharing just honest feedback and tips for anyone that wants to become an entrepreneur or is in the early stages. The fact that Nopalera launched in November, you guys, is it's so impressive to me. Just the scale that she's been able to accomplish since starting like starting her brand so recently. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I'm so honored and grateful to have Nobelera on the podcast and Sandra's an, an amazing guest. Um, go check out the show notes, you guys, if you want to learn more about the brand, go purchase something from the brand, which I highly recommend. 
And then if you love today's episode and you thought it brought a lot of value, you learned something new, please go give us five stars. Also leave a review. I would be so grateful. You guys, it would mean the world to me. So thank you for even considering doing that. Um, it really helps this podcast grow, which is a big goal of mine for 2021 to make sure that people know that this podcast exists and that they can listen to it and learn something new each and every time. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast and for listening. And thank you, Sandra and Nopalera for being on today's episode. It was just so helpful and beneficial to have you on. So thank you so much. And I will see you guys next week.